play around with God. Amen. Time is running out. This is what Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to the church at Corinth and to the church that would ever be until the Lord returns. You and I here at Gethsemane, part of that. Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. In other words, I'm just running my mouth. Paul said, without charity, love, I'm nothing. The reason he said that was because the Bible teaches us clearly that God is love. And that we love him because he first loved us, Sister Jody. You can't say that you love God and not have love. You can't say that you don't love your neighbor and not have love. It's just a lot of talk. As I said yesterday, there's a lot of people talking today. Words that used to mean something years ago don't mean quite the same anymore. Everybody that you see, you say you love them. But do we really love them? Look at the person beside you and in front of you, behind you, just a moment. Can you truly, now don't say it, because you may need to be up here after a while. Can you truly say that you love that person? Now let me just say this. Now think about some people that's not here today that you might have had cross words with. Can you say you truly love that person? Well, preacher, I love them, but I don't like them. The world tells me that you, I got I to gotta love them, I got to like them. The Bible says you got to love them. But you can't love somebody if you don't like them first. The whole reason why you love them is because you liked something about them, which drew you to them, which then led you to get to know them, which led you to an experience with them or a relationship, which then caused love. So you see, that old adage, I got to love them, but I don't have to like them, is straight from hell. That's right from Satan. You cannot like somebody and not love them. You cannot love somebody and not like them. It's not possible. Well, they hurt me. Well, you hurt Jesus. So did I. A lot of people hurt me in this life, but it ain't about the people in this life. Ain't but about one person, that's you and me, and our relationship with Christ. Shame on them for hurting us, but shame on us for not forgiving them. For Jesus said that you and I must forgive, or we cannot be forgiven. Amen? <laughs> it's going to be tough, but it's true. Hurt me when he gave it to me. See, God spoke to me first, and I'm just going to tell you what he told me. One more time. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for this message that you sent for Gethsemane Church. Not a sermon, an absolute word straight from your throne felt that when I received it, and I feel it now. 
God, I pray that your word would cut, as it says, like a two-edged sword, dividing asunder, right? Showing, revealing. The things that are in our lives, Lord, that aren't pleasing, that might keep us out of heaven. For your word says that no sin shall enter into heaven and having hate or disregard for one of your children is sin. Having hate or disregard for you, God, sin. Not having love for you and for our neighbors is sin. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to hear your word, not to discard it, but Lord, let it challenge us. Challenge us to the point that the Holy Ghost convicts so greatly that we take action for our actions. See, God, in the world that we live today, I don't have to tell you. We're not held accountable for our actions anymore. They're overlooked for various reasons. But God, I know you still keep account. You still require, regardless of what this world says. And your word is true and it does not change. So Lord, I know that you require restitution where possible. And you require obedience to your word. If you said it, it's not up for compromise. It is what it is. For you said in your word, God, I am the I am. The beginning and the end. And whatsoever you say, God, is the final say. For one day, God, we all will stand before you. And what's not been made right will be judged accordingly. Lord, help us not to lift our eyes in a place called torment. Don't let us leave this world and slip into eternity in a place called hell and eventually the lake of fire over something as simple as love. For God, it's because of love that you overcame this world. It's because of love that all of us have an opportunity to be restored back to our rightful place with you before the fall of man, as it would have been before the fall of man. It's because of love that we have repentance and opportunity. So God, I pray, Lord, that as your word says, that your word will not return unto you void. Please don't let it go out, God, void, and don't let it return void. But Lord, let us see the fruit, the fruit of obedience. That you're glorified and edified, and that your people are set free. See, God, your word said that if your son, Jesus, has set us free, we're free indeed. But the only way to receive that freedom, God, I understand, is that we free those that have hurt us and the hopes, Lord, that they receive you and do the same. Bless us here today as we look in your word and we'll always praise you and honor you, God, in Jesus' precious and powerful and mighty 
name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 We're going to dismiss our children and their teachers at this time. Look at your neighbor and say, Go and reach down and pull on your shoelaces and tighten them things up. We're going to go on a little ride today. You got on Crocs? I don't know. Keep rocking. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, the King James says, which translates love, then we are just bumping our gums, as my dad used to say. Bumping them gums. It's easy to say love, but it's a whole other thing to do it. Is that right? We're coming up on February, the love month. Is that right? The love month. What greater time to show love than right now as we get ready to enter into February? I think for us to show love, we've got to first understand what love is, right? Here's what the definition of love is. An intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something or someone. Love is an intense feeling of deep affection or a great interest or pleasure in something or someone. That's what love is. An interest first and then a relationship which leads to loving somebody, right? I touched on this yesterday, and I hope Sister Dana don't mind me using this again, but uh, love is what you saw with Sister Dana and Brother Craig, amen? That's unconditional love. That is agape love. That is God love, amen? amen. Unconditional love. When you love when there's nothing that you're receiving back but love, amen? Did you catch that? True love is when you pour love out and all you receive back is love. That's it. There are no strings attached. Is that right? There's no fine print. This is why this one preacher, now y'all may disagree with me, but that's okay. You don't have to agree with everything I say. You just got to agree with what the Bible says. This isn't the Bible, it's what Mark says. That's why I don't like prenuptial agreements. A prenuptial agreement means I love you with conditions. What if Jesus gave us a prenuptial agreement? I love you with these prenuptials. Right? No, he loved us unconditionally to the point that he gave his life for us. Is that right? Every ounce of his life he gave it for us, which is why he proclaimed to the man that we should love our wives as he loved the church, meaning he gave his life for that which he loved, which was the church. Right? Which is also why John chapter 13 tells us that, right? That no greater love has any man than this, that a man lay his life down for his friend. Right? Because that's the ultimate sacrifice, is that we lay everything that we got, meaning everything we are, not withholding anything. See, sometimes we get into relationships, and we love almost always, or all. But we're always holding something back. Is that right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that? You just, there's some things that are in your life that you haven't sold out 100% to that one that you're telling you love. Well, that's not unconditional love. And that's not true love, right? True love means you found that one. Is that right? Everybody's looking for true love. But what you really mean is it's not about, true love is not about the shape of the body, right? We're always looking for true love, right? It's got to be that hourglass if it's a man looking at a woman. If it's a woman looking at a man, I don't know what y'all look at, muscles, right? Same thing, I guess, hourglass, but in a different way. You know, bigger here and coming down, you know, whatever it may be, right? I don't know. Christian's going to have to deal with this true love. Amen? <laughs> this is it. Ain't get no better. Brother Michael inspired me. Where's Brother Michael at? He inspired me today that he's losing some weight. I had to lose some weight. 
And then he told me I have to get away from sugar, and I thought, that's it. <laughs> I was with Brother Michael till he told me that. So, Christy, this is what you got. But true love is not about just the physical appearance, right? It's not about... Some people, when they say true love, they're looking for intellectual beings, right? They want to be with somebody that can challenge their thought process, right? Some people are looking for true love in the form of Ben Franklin's, right? True love to some people is all about your money, right? Like Brother Scott's got plenty of money, so Sherry's happy, okay? So, I mean, true, right? Yeah. So, right, it's sometimes it's about the money, sometimes it's about the appearance, well, sometimes, you know, it's about the intellect, sometimes it's about all of that, right? Sometimes people are looking for true love, they're trying to find something that you're just not going to find because you can't find it in the outward appearance. You can't find it in the things of the world. True love can only be found in the heart. Is that right? True love means you find somebody that loves you as much as you love them. You've heard me say, I told both of my kids this from the time they were little, until here recently, when they both are engaged, so I'm assuming they found that person. But I always told both of them, I said, don't you, find, don't you marry anybody until you find somebody that loves you more than I do. And they just, you know, looked at me like that's not possible. And I thought, well, right? But, thankfully, they did find some wonderful people. But true love means that you love unconditionally. You're not given love in order to receive Anything more than just what you gave, which is love, right? That's it. In the end, love is what wins, okay? Love is what wins in the end. I've found that over time, I counsel young people that are about to get married, and I usually will tell them, I, I get them sometimes, not usually, sometimes, I get them to look at each other and say, I tell them this, I say, that person you're looking at right now is going to change. They're not always going to look like that, right? They're not. In time, things change, right? That which is in comes out. That which is tight begins to sag. I want to warn you, if you, if you, if you mess around with tattoos, you better get something that's going to look good when it sags, right? Because if it's a smiley face, it'll be a sad face. <laughs> we ain't going to get into tattoos, hold on the message. But you see what I'm saying. Love is inward, and love is, is not, love is not, what's the word I'm looking for? Love is one of those things that it's not something that is, 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 is earned, right? You got to, in order to receive love, you got to give love. Does that make sense? In order to be loved, you have first got to have loved something, right? If you're not giving love to someone, then how can you experience what true love is, right? you got to give it away sometimes. I've heard that when I was a young man, right? When, when you're in a relationship with somebody and it just seems to be, I don't know, and, you know, you just don't know what to do. They broke up with you or you're about to break up with them, you know. I often heard it said that, that if, if to, to set something free and if, it, if it's meant to be, it'll come back, right? So meaning true love, you've got to let, you've got to give that love in order for that love to come back to you truly love from your heart and this is what first corinthians chapter 13 deals with if you have time to go read it it's only about 14 verses 15 verses but it's a powerful ver a chapter there that talks about what love is so love is that it's 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 deeper than just feelings emotions it's deeper than just what you see it's something that was implanted in us by god because he is love all of us have love in us 
Because God's in us. You know, you ever look at somebody and say, I don't know if that person can love anybody, right? Because they're just mean. They got love in them somewhere because God's in them. He said we're made in his own image. He breathed life in us. There's a part of God in us, right? Even, even the sinner that's not saved has God in him, right? He breathed in him, gave him life. So he knows what love is. She knows what love is. We know what love is from the beginning. It's in us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, if you would, for a moment. Verse 34 through 40 is where we're going to be. Jesus here is going to reveal to these Pharisees what true love is, what it looks like. If you don't have it, Brother Daniel, put it on the board for us. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Let's start here. But when the Pharisees had heard that he, speaking of Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer that knew the law, remember the Pharisees knew the law, asked him a question, speaking of Jesus, tempting him, testing him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Which one of the commandments given is the greatest commandment? This is the question that they asked. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, all in. Amen. The first thing Jesus said was, which is what they were looking for, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Everything that you and I are, we should love God. Amen. That's first and foremost. That's what he said. All of us. He said, with everything that's in you, you've got to love God. You've got to love Him with everything. Not part of you, not some of you, but all of you. How do you love God like that? How do you do that? How can you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, everything? How is that? Well, the first thing you and I got to do is love only Him. Is that right? That's what the Bible teaches us. It's the greatest, it's the first commandment, right? To love God, right, Him, and not have any other gods before Him, right? Because He is a jealous God, the Bible teaches us. So the first thing we've got to understand that Jesus was saying, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of us, okay? Have no other gods before Him. This is hard for the church sometimes. It's hard for people to love God that way because we also love the world. We love the things of the world if we're honest because we're fleshly people. This is why Paul said there was a battle going on constantly between his spirit and his flesh. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak, the Bible teaches us. Right? His spirit knows what to do to love God unconditionally, all in, sold out, no other God. Right? And in this world that we live in today, there are multiple gods, just as it was in that time. And there are people today... That, are, that were formed in the image of God, but yet worshiping other gods. Is that right? They're committing spiritual adultery with God and to God. Okay? So what they're doing is they're entertaining these other gods because those other gods make you feel good because they allow you to do things that the flesh wants you to do. So here they are, the image of God. Now get that picture. 
God Himself created every one of us. We're formed in His image. And here, the image of God is now standing before another God, bowing down to that God, right? Worshiping that God. When there's none of that God in us. You with me? That's spiritual adultery. That's running around on God. Amen? That's what that is. And what if God divorced us? Where would we be? Dead with them gods. That's where we'd be. No hope. Because those are man-made gods. Those are man-made gods that are just made up in our minds and formed with our hands. See, the God you and I serve thought of us in His mind and formed us with His hands. But He didn't just leave us that way. He breathed life in you and me. And that life is always striving to be back with the one that gave it. That's why you and I feel conviction. Because that which is good is trying to get back to the one that made it. Amen? And, trying, and, and, and that, that plan that God put in place for His Son's blood to be transfused into us and forgiveness to be given and for Him to sit up His rule and reign in our hearts. Right? That's, what, that's God's plan. Is that we, and then that way we could love Him the way we should love Him. See, you can't really love God without having the love of God in you. Right? And God's love is Christ. He so loved the world, you and I, that He sent who? Christ. So we got to have Him in us to truly know what love is that we could give it back to the one that gave it. Amen? And to love those that are around us. Every day. Does that make sense or did I lose some of you? you got to love God unconditionally. Put no other gods before Him. But it goes a little deeper than just Buddha. It goes a little bit deeper than just all these other gods. It goes to us putting ourselves before God. It goes to rather than doing what we know we should do, we choose to do other things. Is that right? Now, I can't explain to you what those things are, but you know when you do it, and I know when I do it, when we put something before God, that becomes our God, right? When the race is going to come on TV about time, this old long-winded fat preacher is going to be talking, and you'd rather watch the race, and you decide, I'm going to stay home, and I'll catch Pastor Mark's message later in the day. I want to warn you, that's putting another God before God. Because we know that we're to gather together in the house of God such as, such as He tells us to do. Is that right? Now I understand, let me just put this caveat out there because this always pops up when somebody starts talking about that. Well, preacher, i got to work sometimes. Well, I ain't saying God understands you got to get your ox out of a ditch. Jesus said that. But if we have a choice, let me give you for instance. I'm taking volunteers for overtime this week. Well, i got that vacation I want to go on. It's Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. See what I'm saying? Come on now. We chose God and our vacation, which is satisfying what? Rather than what he said to do. That's put another God before him. When they walk out and say, you're going to work today, <laughs> different ball game. When you work, you've got to make a living. That's what he told us. He told Adam he's going to work by the sweat of his brow. He's going to live by that, right? And we understand those things. We also understand sometimes we've got to go on vacation. I ain't talking about all that stuff. I'm talking about... When it's up to us to make a choice to do what we want to do, to put God, put other things before God, right? Go shopping. I got to clean the house. I got to do my homework. We should have done all those things before. And see, we schedule 
In this world that we live today, we schedule God around our plans. Right? And that's not what He tells us in His Word. We should schedule our plans around God. Right? That's why He said, I want to be first. And then He said, if you seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness, what did He say? I'm going to give you all that anyway. The money that you need to go on vacation, I want you to go on vacation. He's going to give you that anyway. He's going to make a way. God will make a way. He loves you and I. Amen? But we first got to love Him. Amen? Show that love. So in order for us to love God with all of our mind, heart, and soul, everything that's within us, we first got to truly love Him unconditionally. We also got to be obedient to Him, right? Which teaches us that we got to obey His Word. Now look, it tickles me because I used to be one of those people. It tickles me that we want to debate with God whether what He said was true or not. Is that right? You'll find people that love to dive into God's Word and they want to have a discussion. Right? I need to talk to you about the Word of God. Right? We want to discuss that thing and we want to we want to say, I don't believe that's what it says. I believe it says this. Look, I don't frankly care what you think. And you don't care what I think. What we ought to care about is what this says. Okay? If it says it in black and white and red, hang your hat on it. Quit trying to dissect it and just be obedient. Amen? If you and I, including myself chiefly, would just do what God says do, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in. Let me put it to you this way. If we would do what God says do, we wouldn't be in the do-do that we're in. Amen? I hope some Y'all need to quote that. Amen? Amen. Is that not true? We get ourselves in so much stuff because we're trying to tell God that He don't know what He's talking about. I don't believe that's what it says. Y'all can say that all day long, but I have a whole other thought process. Well, if you got that process, why are you trying to convince me that you're right? Is that right? My, a bit dog always barks. If every time I see you, you've got to feel like you've got to tell me about your situation or that you think that, hey, I don't believe that. I think I'm good, preacher. Well, you're probably not. Right? If, it keeps, if it's on your mind all the time, you might want to get that under the blood. But if you're going to truly love God, Jesus looked at these guys and said, look, I hear you talking, but you've got to love God. With, he didn't just say love God. He took the time to say what he said right here to them, with all, he said, all of your soul, your heart, and your mind, everything you are, you have got to love God, right? And part of loving God is being obedient to his word, right? That's why the Bible teaches us that, right? That we study, right, his word, that we show ourselves a, prove, a workman need to not be ashamed. Carry out his word, do the will of God. That's what he asked us to do because Jesus said it this way. He said, you're my friends if you keep my commandments. That's what he said. Jesus said, you are my friends if you keep my commandments. Now, if we don't keep his commandments, the opposite of that is true. Then we have no part of him. Amen? If you don't have a friend, then you're by yourself. And if we're by ourselves, it's because we chose not to be with Jesus. Amen? He's not going to throw himself on us. He's a gentleman. But he'll be there if you want him to be. And if we're obedient to him, God honors obedience. That's why he said obedience is better than sacrifice. Anybody can sacrifice, right? Anybody can sacrifice. 
I could ask you right now, say, listen, I need you to sacrifice $100 for me because I'm struggling. And I hope somebody will give me $100. That's sacrifice. But obedience is totally different, right? It's one thing to just give you tithe. That's, right, that's what God asks us to do. That's being obedient. But that's sacrifice. It's one thing to be obedient to that. It's one thing to do all these other things that you want to, we can bring up about church. And it's one thing to sacrifice our time, our money, our energy, our resources, all this stuff. But it's a whole other thing to be obedient to Him. Right? Obedience means whatever you say, I will do. Do you know that's why God called Abraham his friend? Because Abraham obeyed unconditionally. I mean, the man went looking for a town. He didn't even know where he was going. God said, get up and go. He got up and went. Left everything. Just because God said go. <laughs> Abraham was going to sacrifice his own son. Because God said so. It was obedience. And you know, I would have probably been sitting there going, I ain't doing that, God. There's got to be a better way. Some of y'all might be too, right? Well, I would probably be reasoning with God. But Abraham did what God asked, and God said he was his friend. The Creator called his creation his friend. That's powerful. Obedience to him is how you love God. Loving him unconditionally is how you love God. And third, surrender all. As we said earlier, we touched on that a little bit, but everything. You've got to give God all of you. I've got to give God all of me. We can't hold back any reserve for ourselves, right? Have you ever heard anybody say to you, I need my me time? What about me? Is that right? I, 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 me, me, I need me. I've got to have my time. What if Jesus would have said that? What if Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane would have said, you know, God, I just got to have my me time. What about me? I mean, you love all these people out here, these ones that you created, and they're, they're just your creation. I'm your son, right? Won't you sacrifice that old Mark down there? Amen? Sacrifice him. Sacrifice somebody else, right? Well, I always got to do it. What if he'd have said that, right? I'm all in with you, God, but this one time, I just got to go. I need to hang out at the Sea of Galilee. Right? And getting, taking a few rays. What if he'd have done that? See? All. He surrendered all. And that's what you and I have to do if we're going to truly love God the way Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about. See, they were going through the motions. They were coming to church. They were quoting the scriptures. They were carrying out the work of the church. They were doing the things that God asked them to do. They were doing everything God asked them to do, it appears. Except love him unconditionally. Look, they didn't love Jesus. So how can you love God if you don't love Jesus? Because, listen to me, Jesus said that to the people, did he not? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I, the Father and him, God and Jesus are one. Right? So they didn't love him. They also didn't care too much for God's children because they were constantly making fun of people and, 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 and doing things to them unfairly, right? They looked down on certain people. They looked up to other people, right? I love what the Bible teaches us about that, right? When he was telling them about giving here and giving there and helping this one, helping that one, and he said, what you've done to the least of them, you've done unto me. Is that right? 
So he teaches us it's not just about the wealthy and everybody else, it's everybody. You've got to love everybody. You can't pick and choose who you like and who you love. You know, saying's true. <laughs> you know, you, you can't choose who your family is. Choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Right? Well, that's the same way with God, right? We can't choose our family because all of us are family. Every single one of us are descendants from Adam and Eve, the very first ones God created, and they're descendants from God. So we're all family, right? We should have queued that up. We are family. I got all my brothers and sisters and me. Hey, hey, yeah. I'm not. But we're all family, right? So you, you can't choose. You've got to love all. You've got to surrender all to God, right, first and foremost. So now that we got that clear, that's the first thing that he told them. He said, love God. And they went, woo! Then he said, with all your heart, mind, body, soul. They went, woo. Then he said this. He really shook their foundation right here. This shakes our foundation. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment in verse, glasses, 38. In verse 39, he says this. He drops the bombshell on them. And the second, read this with me, is like unto it. Just like it. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these, boy, he tightens the screws right here. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let me put that in where it shows Hodges' terms. If you keep these two commandments, you won't break any commandment. They all hinge off of those two. Because if I love God, I'm going to love His children. And if I love His children, I'm going to love God because He says that we should love Him first. So if we're loving God, loving His children, you're not going to do anything to hurt anybody. Is that right? You're not going to be disobedient to God. You're not going to hurt them. And you don't have to worry about the rest of them. Right? If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to sleep with his wife. Amen? If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal his John Deere lawnmower. If I love my husband, my husband wife, what did I say? Neighbor. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to kill him. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to covet the things that he has. And so on and so forth, right? Put any of those commandments, ten commandments, and then all the other commandments in the Bible with it, and you won't break any of them. I won't. If we love God and love our neighbor, you won't break any of them. Henceforth, we ain't got to worry about sinning, right? If we get those two right, that's what Jesus was telling them. So how do you love your neighbor? Most of us would say this is the toughest one. Not I disagree. But we'd say it was. So how in the world am I supposed to love that old hateful neighbor of mine? That ungodly family member of mine? That old pest at work? <laughs> Whatever you want to put in there. How do we love our neighbor? Love them with no reservations and no stipulations. We touched on that a little bit, right? You can't love people with conditions. I'll forgive you if. Is that right? I'll love you if. You can't do that. That ain't what he said. Okay? You've got to love him like you love yourself. I love Mark. Now, some of y'all are saying you're a conceited little thing. Well, first of all, you're wrong. I ain't little at all. I'm pretty big. <laughs> but all of us are that way. We love ourselves. 
Think about the money and the time you put into yourself. Think about all the pedicures and manicures and massages and clothes and vacations and doctor's visits and hairdos and all the time we take in front of a mirror. I mean, we can just go on and on and on, right? Think about how much we love ourselves and you eating that chicken here in just a little bit, right? Macaroni and cheese and apple pie. I love me, amen? It's good to be me, amen? Because I love them things, right? So love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I love me, right? I mean, I love me a whole lot. So if, if I love me, then he said I'm supposed to love people the same way I love me, right? I don't go around talking bad about myself on a regular basis. You don't either, right? When's the last time you walked up somebody said, well, I miss that old huzzy. I'm the huzzy, you know, or I'm that old, you know, whatever you want to put in there, right? How many times you walk around and tell everybody, I stink. I mean, I stink. <laughs> right? How many times you walk around and do those kinds of things? How many times you walk around and talk about how terrible of a person you are and, and how just, I mean, all those things, right? Like we talk about other people. I'm not going to do that. So Jesus said, you're supposed to love them as you love yourself. Now, some people say, well, I don't love myself that much. Well, you love yourself more than you think you do. Amen? We do. I mean, we just need to get over it. Right? We do love ourselves. Very much so. We want to take care of ourselves. We don't want to hurt ourselves most of the time. <laughs> love with no reservations or stipulations. Your neighbor. My neighbor. See, to love them as yourself was the second one, and I touched on it. Here's the, here's the thing. Well, let me just move on. Don't get into that. We've got to love them because of who they are. Now, this is the one I really want to take some time on, just a minute if I could. When you understand what he's talking about right here, this is where it's going to hurt us a little bit. When God says, love God, and most of us go, I can handle that. But then when he says, love that enemy, that's basically what he's saying. Love your neighbor. Love the one that you don't think you can love. Here's why. you got to understand, as I said to you earlier, first of all, that that's God's child. Okay, this is not some pawn on a chessboard. A person is formed by God. It is his child. All of us are his children. Now, mamas and daddies, I'm going to talk to the mamas because y'all are a little bit more fiery. If somebody says a crossword to your child, how many of y'all want to throat punch them? The rest of y'all is telling a lie. At least your immediate would be, what? Right? And then you might, the Holy Ghost might, you know, if you give, if you listen to the Lord. You... But our first reaction is, how dare you? Right? Because that's part of me, and by you disrespecting them, you're disrespecting me, but not just me, the whole lineage of our family. Is that right? Because they're bigger than just them. You see what I'm saying? It's not just about them. you got the whole heritage to deal with. When I was growing up, the Shirley family, I can talk about them because I'm kin to them. If you messed with one of them, you was in trouble. Because they was all going to get you. Is that right? And I'm not just talking that. I'm telling you, anybody ever knows who I'm talking about? 
they would put a whooping on you. You could count on it coming. They didn't come tell you that. They just going to get you. Okay? I know that. Been around them. It's because of the heritage, right? It's, 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 they're part of a bigger group. When you and I hate God's children, okay, okay excuse me, dislike in the world we live today. Right? When you and I have something strife against one of God's children, when we talk about them, when we say bad things, when we do bad things to them, you are doing that to Him. Right? Oh, preacher, that's not true. Oh, yes, it is. Right? Because that's His child. And if your response is, I'm going to get you, what do you think God's response is? Thank God for grace. Thank God for the cross. <laughs> Thank God for mercy. Prove it, preacher. Good. I'm glad you said that. Go back in the Old Testament and read before Christ died on the cross. Before there was mercy and grace. Man, God opened the world up and swallowed up a bunch of people. Why? Because they were hateful to His children. Disobedient to Him and hateful to His children. Man, God told David, I want you to wipe out that whole bunch of people. I'm talking about not just the warriors, but their mamas and their daddies and their grandkids. All of them. Because he knew that they would come up and rise up against him again. They were being hateful to God and to God's people. And he just wiped them out. There's a place in there where David said, Lord, I want you to... David just said, I want you to, I want you to take care of them. And I want, you to, I want you to kill their parents, their grandkids. I mean, they was laying it out there. Because they were, being, they were just tormenting the children of Israel. You don't mess with God's children. Amen? God don't like ugly. That's why Jesus said, it'd be better for you, listen to me, children of God. Jesus said, not Mark, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck. Is that right? Cast over into that lake and just boom, just sink you to the bottom of that lake than to harm one of his children, one of these little ones. That is a solemn warning from Christ. He wasn't just talking about them little babies in his lap. He's talking about his children, right? So if we're going to love God, we got to love each other because of who we are too, your lineage. But also remember this. You say, well, I love God, but I just don't like that person. I don't love that person. But God's in them. Is that right? I said it earlier, God's in them. So if you don't love them... You don't love him. Amen. Because he's, he's in them. Every single person in this room has God in them. Whether you're saved or not saved, it's in you. Right? You may not have Christ in your life if you haven't given your heart to him. But boy, he breathes into every one of us. And you have a soul. That's what sets you apart from, from everything else that God created. You have a soul. And that soul belongs to God. Amen? So if we don't love our neighbor, regardless of what we say, we don't love him. And that's why Jesus said, as I said to you earlier in this message, how can you say that you, have, you love me, whom you have not seen, and not love your neighbor, whom you have seen? Is that right? You can't do it. And as I said to you earlier, here's the other thing you can't do. Now, there's preachers out there today that won't preach this because they're scared to lose members. And they're scared of hate mail and scared they're going to lose tithing. But I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. 
No sin shall enter into heaven. And he said these were the two greatest. So if I'm not loving you, I can't get heaven, make it to heaven. Now look, don't you let Satan fool you and think, well, I've done, I, I love everybody. But if there's, some, if there's some indignation in your heart for somebody and you haven't set that free, and here's how you set it free. Jesus knew we would be the way we were. He said, if you have an ought against your brother, what did he say? Go to them. Now he didn't just say, show up and say, I'm here, Sister Judy. He didn't say that. He said, go to them, meaning, and make it right. Is that right? That's what he said. See, when you do that, you set yourself free and you set the person free. And that's when we experience the freedom that Jesus spoke of, free indeed. Now, he also knows how we are, because he knew we'd do this, Wes. He knew we'd say, all right, I'm going to go over and do it, because you said so. I have an ought against him. Uh, here you go. Sorry, Wes. Love you, man. Right? And I made it right. I got it right. I did what I'm supposed to do. But then I get up here talking to God about something else. And then he said, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your neighbor's got an ought against you. You ain't got one with him no more. He's got it against you. What did he say? Leave it. Go make it right, then come back. What you're offering with indignation in your heart is not acceptable to God. Amen? When you know that something's not right, whether it's on your end or the other end, he said you got to make it right. That, friends, is true love. When we love unconditionally our God, and when we love our neighbor unconditionally, regardless of circumstance, then we've experienced true love. See, here's what it's all about. The reason God said that we should love like this is because ultimately, guys, we're all trying to make heaven our home. As much as we dislike somebody, we shouldn't dislike them to the point that you want them in hell. This is why I think God cringes when we say, well, just go to hell. Right? And hell's a real place. I didn't cuss. We mean, when we say that, we're just saying there's hate there. We really are saying in our hearts, I'd rather you just die and go to be in that place called hell. Shame on us. Nobody should want anybody to leave this world and spend the rest of their days, all of eternity, burning in hell and in the lake of fire. Do you see what I'm saying? Biblically, that's not right. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't look at somebody and say awful things to them and want the worst to happen. I hope something happens to you bad as you did to me. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. How many times? 70 times 7. 490, and I'm good on 491. No. What he meant was as many times as it takes. Forgive, lest you not be forgiven. Amen? Gosh, it's tough. But unless we do this, how, how can we let love shine forth out of us into the world when the world sees us not loving? How can you sell that which you don't have? Amen? How can we give away that which we don't possess? You see what I'm saying? You can't do it. See, in the world we live today, you, people would have you and I think that we could live like that and still make heaven our home. Right? It can't, it's not possible. Okay? 
God's intent is for all of us to get there. Not that some are left behind. What did Jesus say? He died once for who? All the Bible says. Everybody. As much as we can. Look, I have a hard time understanding how Charles Manson could be in heaven if he gets it right with the Lord. I have a hard time how anybody, right? You've heard me say before, I struggle with that Susan Smith lady. I cannot understand why somebody would do something like that to children and still get to heaven. I don't understand how the assassination, the people that killed Martin Luther King Jr. or John F. Kennedy, or how can you get to heaven? But then I reminded Mark, how can you get there? I'm no different. I'm no di I didn't kill Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't kill John F. Kennedy. I ain't killed my kids. I thought about it. Are they in here? Good. Don't y'all tell them. Y'all did too. But I didn't do those things, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't do this, and I didn't do, but I did other things. I can stand here and tell you I broke God's law multiple times. I, if you stood us up in a, you know how they do that police lineup thing? They used to do it. I don't know if they still do it or not. But they stand people up in a big old line and they get somebody behind the two-way mirror and say, point them out. I'd be in the line. I'd be right beside Susan Smith, Charles Manson, uh, John Wilkes Booth, you put, whatever you want to put up here. I'd be in line with any of the most notorious people you'd ever known in your life because I'm just like them. See, here's the deal. God don't see big sin and little sin. God sees sin. The reason we have big sin and little sin is because we as people categorize those things. In our minds, we determine what we think is the worst and what's the least, and that's kind of how we measure ourselves. I just told a little white lie, I didn't kill nobody. Right? Well, if that little white lie was about your neighbor that you weren't sure of, you just killed her character. So get on up here with John Wilkes Booth. Well, I didn't commit adultery with my husband and my wife like such and such. Well, if you thought it in your mind, Jesus said you're guilty as charged. Is that right? So get on up here with that person that you think of. See, we can just keep adding to it. This is why it hurts me to tell you this because I'm no different than anybody else. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But because of love, we have forgiveness. What if Jesus categorized sin? Well, Mark, you stole M&M's. I would be guilty as charged. You stole M&M's, peanut. If I'm going to hell, I'm going with peanut M&M's. <laughs> Not no plain M&M's. Peanut M&M's, right? So I'm going to forgive you. But Brother Ralph, you killed that guy, so you can't come. I'm dying for M&M stealers, not murderers, right? See what I'm saying? What if, he, what if he categorized sin and said, I came to die once for all for all these folks, but everybody else, once you get above this threshold of sin, I can't tolerate you no more. You're just done. He didn't do that. Unconditional love says he died once for all. And whosoever will accept him is saved. Hard for us to get. 
But we're all saved if we accept Christ because then we know love and we can give love once you've accepted love. Amen? So what about it? Where are you at with the Lord today? That's tough. See, we can preach all this other stuff and we can argue about everything else you want to argue about. We can debate all this other stuff that's in the Bible and there's a lot of people that love to do that. Man, they just soon argue with you or debate with you this word and eat. But let's just start with the first two and let's just deal with that. Because if we deal with the first two, we ain't got to worry about doing the rest of this. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll be obedient to God's word if we love him, love our neighbor, and accept him as Lord and Savior, his son, ask for forgiveness of our sins. If we'll do those things, we're going to keep all this anyway. We're going to want to do this. And then the Holy Ghost will reveal to you what you don't know. Right? So many people try to read this and figure him out before they get to know him. You've got to know him first, then this will make sense to you. Right? You've got to know who you're reading about. Right? You can't, you can't figure him out and then know him. You've got to know him then figure him out. Right? We've got, we got it backwards sometimes. Love. Love changes things. Love overcomes all. Let me close here as our worship team comes. I put some of y'all to sleep. I apologize. Hope you heard this today. I hope you're listening. Hope it challenges. And look, don't come get me and say, I don't, look, I don't need to know where you're at with your situation. You and God take care of that. And with the people you're supposed to take care of it with, you know what, where you stand with people. I can't do it for you. So here's the thing. Your mom and your daddy and your preacher, nobody else can fix this situation. I can't fix your relationship with God and I can't fix your relationship with people. All I can do is tell you what his word says to do. You have to do it. As much as I want to fix it for you, I can't do it. Pastor Keith can't do it for you. Pastor Damien can't do it. Your small group leader can't do it. Nobody can do this for you but you. You and God and you and your neighbor. He went on to say this. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love or charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods, even though I give to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, sacrifice here, and have not charity or love, what has it profited me? This is why Jesus said, good's not good enough. It's not by works lest any man should boast. You can't give your way into heaven. You have to accept the gift that's already been given to get to heaven. Charity, love, suffereth long, and it's kind. Love is long-suffering, and it is kind. The opposite of hate. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunts itself. It does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It's not stuck up. It doth not behave itself unseemingly. There's no confusion in love. You either love or you don't. It seeketh not her own. In other words, it doesn't just birds of a feather flock together. Love seeketh out all. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Boy, love thinks no evil. Love and evil cannot co coexist. You either have one or the other. Verse 6 says, It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, God's word says they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. 
Whether there will be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love never fails. It never fails. God cannot fail. Cannot fail. That's why love never fails. God cannot fail. God is the author and finisher of our faith. Everything that you and I know, everything that we see, everything that we are, and everything that we're going to be. God created that. He knows that. Right? He's the author of it, and He's going to be the finisher of it. What's in between beginning and end is love. God. He is the beginning, the end, and everything in between. Love. Love never fails. It overcomes all things. Amen? So I want to pray with you here this morning. Now this is, guys, I'm going to tell you, it's straight from the throne room of God. All of us today, if maybe you were sitting there thinking, boy, I wish such and such was here to hear that, I sure hope you were listening too. Because if we're here and we hear it, guess who it was for? All of us. All of us. Those that are watching, we have several watching from home today that are still under the weather. Various reasons are not here. It's for you too. It's not just for us. Those of you that watch is not a part of this church. You're, it's for you. It's for all God's children. This was written for everybody. Whatever church you're a part of, wherever you're at, wherever you go, this word's for you too. It's for all of us. Amen? And God told us this because He loves us and He wants us to make heaven our home. Wouldn't it be awful if what sent us to hell was the rejection of love? Amen? The rejection of Christ who is love or the rejection of His children whom He loves? Either way, if that's what sends us to hell and ultimately according to what Jesus said, that's what's going to do it because the rest, we break the rest of them if we're not keeping these. Wouldn't it be awful, Brother Denny, if that's what happened to us? Kobe, it'd be awful, wouldn't it, brother? It'd be awful. So let's pray here for a moment.